Letter seventeen of Clarissa Harlowe, or the History of a Young Lady, Volume five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Clarissa Harlowe, or the History of a Young Lady, Volume five, by Samuel Richardson. Letter seventeen. Mr. Lovelace to John Belford, Esquire, Thursday morning, eight o'clock. Her chamber door has not yet been opened. I must not expect she will breakfast with me, nor dine with me, I doubt. A little silly soul! What troubles does she make to herself by her over-niceness? All I have done to her would have been looked upon as a frolic only, a romping bout, and laughed off by nine parts in ten of the sex accordingly. The more she makes of it, the more painful to herself, as well as to me. Why now, Jack, we're not better upon her own notions, that she seem not so sensible as she will make herself to be, if she is very angry? but perhaps I am more afraid than I need. I believe I am. From her over-niceness arises my fear, more than from any extraordinary reason for resentment. Next time she may count herself very happy if she come off no worse. The dear creature was so frightened and so fatigued last night, no wonder she lies it out this morning. I hope she has had more rest than I have had. Soft and balmy, I hope, have been her slumbers, that she may meet me in tolerable temper. All sweetly blushing and confounded, I know how she will look. But why should she, the sufferer, be ashamed, when I, the trespasser, am not? But custom is a prodigious thing. The women are told how much their blushes heighten their graces. They practice for them, therefore. Blushes come as hastily when they call for them as their tears. Ay, that's it. While we men, taking blushes for a sign of guilt or sheepishness, are equally studious to suppress them. By my troth, Jack, I am half as much ashamed to see the women below as my fair one can be to see me. I have not yet opened my door, that I may not be obtruded upon by them. After all, what devils may one make of the sex? To what a height of—what shall I call it—must those of it be arrived, who once loved a man with so much distinction as both Polly and Sally loved me, and yet can have got so much above the pangs of jealousy, so much above the mortifying reflections that arise from dividing and sharing with new objects the affections of them they prefer to all others, as to wish for and promote a competitorship in his love, and make their supreme delight consist in reducing others to their level. For thou canst not imagine how even Sally Martin rejoiced last night in the thought that the lady's hour was approaching. Past ten o'clock. I never longed in my life for anything with so much impatience as to see my charmer. She has been stirring, it seems, these two hours. Dorcas just now tapped at her door to take her morning commands. She had none for her, was the answer. She desired to know if she would not breakfast. A sullen and low-voiced negative received Dorcas. I will go myself. Three different times tapped I at the door, but had no answer. Permit me, dearest creature, to inquire after your health. As you have not been seen to-day, I am impatient to know how you do. Not a word of answer, but a deep sigh, even to sobbing. Let me beg of you, madam, to accompany me up another pair of stairs. You'll rejoice to see what a happy escape we have all had. A happy escape indeed, Jack! for the fire had scorched the window-board, singed the hangings, and burned through the slit-deal linings of the window-jams. No answer, madam. Am I not worthy of one word? Is it thus you keep your promise with me? Shall I not have the favour of your company for two minutes, only for two minutes, in the dining-room? <sighs> and a deep sigh, were all the answer. Answer me, but how you do! Answer me, but that you are well! Is this the forgiveness that was the condition of my obedience? then with a faintish but angry voice, "'Be gone from my door! Wretch, inhuman, 
barbarous and all that is base and treacherous be gone from my door nor tease thus a poor creature entitled to protection not outrage i see madam how you keep your word with me if a sudden impulse the effects of an unthought of accident cannot be forgiven oh the dreadful weight of a father's curse thus in the very letter of it and then her voice dying away in murmurs inarticulate i looked through the keyhole and saw her on her knees her face though not towards me lifted up as well as hands and these folded depreciating i suppose that gloomy tyrant's curse i could not help being moved my dearest life admit me to your presence but for two minutes and confirm your promised pardon i may lightning blast me on the spot if i offer anything but my penitence at a shrine so sacred i will afterwards leave you for a whole day till to-morrow morning and then attend you with writings all ready to sign a license obtained or if it cannot a minister without one this once believe me when you see the reality of the danger that gave occasion for this your unhappy resentment you will think less hardly of me and let me beseech you to perform a promise on which i made a reliance not altogether ungenerous i cannot see you would to heaven i never had if i write that's all i can do let your writing then my dearest life confirm your promise and i will withdraw in expectation of it past eleven o'clock she rung her bell for dorcas and with her door in her hand only half opened gave her a billet for me how did the dear creature look dorcas she was dressed she turned her face quite from me and sighed as if her heart would break sweet creature i kissed the wet wafer and drew it from the paper with my breath these are the contents no inscriptive sir no mr lovelace i cannot see you nor will i if i can help it words cannot express the anguish of my soul on your baseness and ingratitude if the circumstances of things are such that i can have no way for reconciliation with those who would have been my natural protectors from such outrages but through you the only inducement i have to stay a moment longer in your knowledge pen and ink must be at present the only means of communication between us vilest of men and most detestable of plotters how have i deserved from you the shocking indignities but no more only for your own sake wish not at least for a week to come to see the undeservedly injured and insulted clarissa harlowe so thou seest nothing could have stood me instead but this plot of tomlinson and her uncle to what a pretty pass nevertheless have i brought myself had caesar been such a fool he had never passed the rubicon but after he had passed it had he retreated re infecta intimidated by a senatorial edict what a pretty figure would he have made in history i might have known that to attempt a robbery and put a person in bodily fear is as punishable as if the robbery had been actually committed but not to see her for a week dear pretty soul how she anticipates me in everything the counsellor will have finished the writings to-day or to-morrow at furthest the licence with the parson or the parson without the licence must also be procured within the next four-and-twenty hours pritchard is as good as ready with his indentious tripartite tomlinson is at hand with a favourable answer from her uncle yet not to see her for a week dear sweet soul her good angel is gone a journey is truanting at least but nevertheless in thy week's time or in much less my charmer i doubt not to complete my triumph but what vexes me of all things is that such an excellent creature should break her word fie fie upon her but nobody is absolutely perfect tis human to err but not to persevere i hope my charmer cannot be inhuman End of letter seventeen